0: But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting that this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered as the people of God. We thank you for your word. We believe it, God. We're, we're convinced it's true. We're convinced, God, that you are revealing yourself through, through this book. And so, Lord, we humbly submit to you, praying that you would reveal the glory of Jesus, the greatness of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus. God, make us instruments in your hand to exalt the name of Christ. Father, we pray you do great things in us, through us, with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 1 is all about God visiting humanity. Okay, it's all about God stepping out of the heavens and coming to reveal himself to the people of the earth. Okay, now I want you just for a second to imagine that you don't know the Christmas story. Okay, can you do that? Just imagine that you've never heard about Mary or Joseph or Bethlehem or the manger or or, or the stars or the wise men or the shepherds or any of that, you never heard of any of that. All that you know, which is what most people in the Old Testament knew, was that at some point God was gonna send the Messiah. At some point, God was gonna reveal Himself At some point, God was gonna visit humanity. God was gonna step out of the heavens and he's gonna come down to the earth and he's gonna set up his kingdom. Now, I wonder if you had never heard any of that other stuff how would you imagine that that would go down? What would you expect? You know, what would you expect? You, you know, just thinking about that w- with me, what I would expect is like earthquakes and volcanoes going off, and and, and the oceans doing kind of the Bellagio, you know, thing in front of it. You know, I mean, just just all these supernatural, you know, fire coming down from heaven, and and maybe a throne just being let down in the heavens, and and an angelic host just booming, you know, the the glories of God and the praises of God, and the earth shaking. And trembling, and, and just all kinds of fanfare, and, and maybe a couple of flybys like the Blue Angels, you know, and just this, just this spectacular sight. Interestingly enough, if we, if we, I was thinking about maybe going to the second coming of the King, which is in Revelation. I was thinking about going to that next week. If we do, you'll see that that's pretty much how it's going to look when Jesus comes back. Okay, a lot of that stuff is actually going to happen when He comes back. But in Luke chapter one, when the King comes the first time. It doesn't look anything like that, does it? I mean, interestingly enough, God decides to make his entrance into humanity to show himself to come and visit us by being born as a baby. God decides to make his entrance into humanity in the form of a baby uh, born to a virgin named Mary who's betrothed, which is kind of a a strict engagement that to be broken is is to almost have a divorce, Uh, so it's to be engaged, not living together as husband and wife but yet betrothed to be married to a guy named Joseph to a couple who live in Nazareth. Now if you were in Jesus day that would be completely unexpected because nothing good came out of Nazareth you know I mean it's just this little bitty podunk town with no university and nothing happening you know it's kind of the equivalent to saying you're from Keys today you know or, or Clayton New Mexico or uh, some people would say Woodward you know I mean I mean that's, that's, that's kind of the equivalent just out in the middle of nowhere, okay? Completely unexpected. Now, God decides to do this through this woman, this young woman, this young girl named Mary. You know, think about this. What do you expect of your teenagers? Maybe you have teenagers. Mary was probably anywhere from 12 to 15 years of age when this happened, 12, 13, 14, 15. You know, what, what does our culture expect? What are the expectations? Where's the bar set for most of our teenagers? You, you know where it's set at? Here's where it's set at. Don't do drugs. Don't ruin your life. Please pick up your clothes off the floor and take your bowl in of cereal in the morning. I mean, that, that's kind of where a lot of the, uh, the the high expectations are for our students. Let me tell you, that's a, that's a great injustice to young people. You know why? Because you know what we see God doing? We see God laying the Heaviest responsibility that has ever been laid on any human being in all of history or all of what is to come on a young girl that was probably around 13 or 14 years of age. God expects great things, doesn't he? From from teenagers. God does great things, okay? So I want to talk about this, this girl named Mary, and we're gonna say several things about her. The first thing that we want to talk about is the fact that she was a virgin. I, 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 I was gonna say, I preached this. I, didn't, I read this story and we discussed it the other night to my children, uh, my, my little kids, my three, my three younger kids. Uh, up up in their bedroom before bed. We've been going through the whole Christmas story, all these different stories, and we read this one. And, and you know, the hands came up. And at the end, I knew they probably would. I was going to try to get by unscathed, but they came up. And the question was, you know, Dad was a virgin. And, and so, uh, the way that I want to explain it publicly here, and, and parents, you can you can fix or whatever you want to do after afterward. But the way I want to uh, explain today is, a virgin is a a woman who is who is not living in a marriage like relationship with a man. Okay, and so a virgin is a woman who who is is not gonna have a child, okay? She's not gonna have a child because she's not living in a marriage-type relationship. We'll just kind of leave it at that. I think everybody understands uh, what that is. Now, why is that a significant fact, okay? It's incredibly significant, in fact, so significant that it's prophesied 700 years before Jesus was ever born in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Why is that so significant? That is so significant because it describes, it helps us to understand the nature of Jesus Christ, okay? We gotta understand that. So what is the nature of Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, he is 100% man, okay? Now, how do we know that? Because he was born of woman. He had a mom, okay? Jesus just didn't appear, you know, there wasn't a little mist and some sparkles and sunlight and boop, there he is, you know? He was born of a woman, just like you and I were. He spent nine months in Mary's womb, okay? He had an umbilical cord he was flesh and blood okay he cried when he came out he had tears i mean all those things about humanity are completely true about jesus because he is a hundred percent man with a body like ours a body that gets tired and got sick and and hungry and wore out and was limited in mobility and abilities and and was tempted in every way that you and i are except without sin jesus was and and is today a hundred percent man not simply man though Okay, again, Mary is a virgin. And so what what does that teach us? Well, it teaches us that Jesus was man, but not just an ordinary man. He was the son of God. He had no earthly father. Joseph was his father, but not really, not biologically. Okay, Jesus was born of the the, the power of the Holy Spirit because Jesus is God. He is 100% man, but he's also 100% God. Now, what that tells us is that Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem, okay? If 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 you go to Bethlehem, And then you go back two months, okay? Jesus still exists, okay? You go back two years before Bethlehem, Jesus still exists. You go back before Mary was born, okay? Go back 20 years, Jesus exists. You go back 200 years, Jesus exists. You go back two million years, Jesus exists. You go back 200 zillion, gillion, whatever those kids say, you know? I mean, he exists, he's always been. Jesus has existed as Trinity, one with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit from the beginning of time. John chapter one, one says in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, By Jesus, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible were the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Jesus has always existed. He has always been. He is God eternally. There has never been a time in eternity past when Jesus Christ did not exist. And so what's happening in Luke chapter Chapter one is God is stepping out of of eternity and into human flesh and being born of Mary and of the Holy Spirit. He has always been God. When Jesus prayed, listen to how he prayed. John seventeen verse five. He said, "And now, Father, glorify me in your own in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed." See, nobody can talk that way, but Jesus. No, nobody can say, "Hey, God, man, I just remember back before the world was existed, you and I had such great time." You can't talk. that that way you know I mean only Jesus can talk that way only Jesus can talk about how how, what he and the father did before the world existed because he is eternal in nature he is a hundred percent God now because he becomes man that doesn't make him less God you know a lot of people go on this whole percentage thing they're like okay Jesus is a hundred percent so if he becomes if he becomes man then that must mean he's 50 percent man 50 percent God No, not at all, okay? Jesus never ceased to be God, okay? He just took on humanity. So Jesus, who is 100% God, takes on humanity and becomes 100% man and 100% God, okay? Now, he did lay down some privileges of his divinity, Right? I, I mean, there are certain privileges about being God. One is you're not weak; you never get sick. There's no there, there's no weakness in you. Okay, when Jesus stepped into human flesh, he took on weakness. All right, I mean, I mean, you'll 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 never pray to God and God's not available because he's got the stomach flu and he's in the bath. That that will never happen because God never gets weak. But Jesus, Jesus had those experiences, right? Jesus had those things in his life. He was weak. He 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 experienced what we did. In fact, Roman or Hebrews chapter four. Verse 15 says this about Jesus, says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You hear what that said? That said that Jesus has experienced everything that we have except without sin. In fact, what I would tell you today is that Jesus has experienced more than we have. Okay, more than we have. He, 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 he's more human in, in some ways. He, he's had more of the human experience than even we have. And let, let, me, let me explain to you real quickly why that is. Okay, you know, in, in all of life, we have certain hard things that we have to carry, right? We have certain hard things that, that we have to deal with. Okay, and so what we do is we, we pick those things up and we, we try to carry them, right? But, but you know what happens, right? We get tired. Okay, so, so you may have a hard thing in your life. You may have an irritating person at your work. Everybody has one. There's a quota set out by the Obama administration. Everybody has to hire at least one irritating person. And so, so you have that guy at work, and, and they just irritate you, and they pick at you, and, and they just, you know, just, just always doing stuff. And, and it gets heavy, doesn't it? And it gets heavy, and, and pretty soon you come into work one day, and you're not on your spiritual game, right? And what happens? It gets so heavy, they say that last thing, and you drop it, don't you? you drop your righteousness and you sin don't tell me that none of you have done haven't done that because the Bible says we're all sinners. you've all let go you, you've not carried the weight of righteousness and you've sinned against God right whether it be lust or whether it be greed or whether it be pride or whether it be selfishness or whether it be self-pity you've all carried carried righteousness for so long and then something happened and, and, and you put it down. Well here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus never put it down. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, he just held it. For 33 years, he held it. He never sinned. He never sinned against others. He never sinned with his temper. He never sinned in lust. He never sinned in greed. He never sinned in pride. He held up his righteousness the entire time. You and I have not experienced that. We don't know how heavy that is. Why? Because we keep dropping it, don't we? We keep blowing it. Jesus never did. And so in many ways, Jesus is, is, has experienced more of the human relationship than even we have. The Bible says he was tempted in every way. He, he's a faithful high priest. He can identify with us. He is our hero. Isn't that who Jesus is? He's our hero. He is the man of all men. The Bible says he's the second Adam. What does that mean? He's the second Adam. Well, you've got the first Adam, right? Right? He, he's that guy that when we get to heaven, we're all going to get in a line and kick him in the shins, you know? I mean, because you know what he did? I mean, I mean God, God made him perfect. God made him in perfect fellowship with God. God entrusted him with a, a wife and a family, and, and, and the garden said, take care of this. And what does Adam do? He gets in his recliner with his remote, and he's watching ESPN. The devil comes, tempts the woman. He blows it. He, he, he doesn't take care of his family. He doesn't take care of the commands of God. He didn't listen to God. He didn't believe God. He didn't trust God. And all of humanity falls with Adam. When Adam fell, we all fell. It all affected us, okay? You woke up selfish today because of Adam. We all fell in Adam, but here's the deal. Jesus is the second Adam, okay? He is perfect in fellowship with God. He's born without sin. Why? Because he's born of a virgin, right? See how significant this is? He's born without original sin, and instead of dropping it like Adam does, Jesus holds it up all 33 years, dies a substitutionary death, and now those who are joined to Jesus can all be lifted to life. In Adam, we all fall into sin. In Jesus, we can all who are connected to him be lifted into life. That's who Jesus Christ is. So what we see happening in Luke chapter one is God stepping into human flesh and and, and revealing himself to us in a language that we can understand. You know, the the Bible says that that for for all of human history, God's been revealing himself, hasn't he? God's revealed himself through the prophets. He's revealed himself through his word. He's revealed himself through nature. But, but what, what Hebrews says, what Hebrews chapter one says is the greatest revelation of, of God is in his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter one says, long ago at many times, in many ways, God spoke to the fathers uh, by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Listen to verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of, of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's Jesus Christ. He, he is the imprint of God. We see Jesus in, in, so clearly. We see God so clearly in Jesus. Why? Because it's in a language we understand, because it's in a world that we understand. Jesus stepped into a world of blindness and death and blue-collar workers and fishermen and slander and gossip and sick people and relational conflicts and murder. I mean, we understand that world. We live in that world. And so Jesus is God saying, this is who I am. Look, you know, I, I'll show you who I am. In your own language, I'm one of you, and I'll show you who God is. So it's incredibly significant, first of all, that Mary is a virgin. Now, second of all, what we see about Mary is that she is favored, okay? Look at two verses here. Verse 28 and verse 30, verse 28 says, and he came to her, the angel did, and he said, greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Now look at verse 30. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now what, what is what is the angel saying? He's saying, Mary, man, you are blessed, man. I I pick you. I, I choose you. I, I, I dump my grace on you. You get to be the one. You are favored. I mean, in our culture, I, I think something that maybe will help you understand this is that phrase that we've all heard emma dirks you're the next contestant on the price is right come on down you know and what do they do what do they do what do they do emma when that happens you know that's right that's what they do that's what they do you know and you know why because they're like he picked me right he picked me i get to be the one okay that's what the angel is saying here to mary you got to get that you know the angel explodes with this greetings greetings oh favored one Okay, now why is, why is Mary favored? Because God is gonna do something great through Mary. Now notice what I said there. Did I say Mary's gonna do something great? No, I didn't. You know why? Because we don't do anything great. Did you know that? Michelle doesn't do anything great. Sometimes, though, God picks Michelle to be the instrument through which he does something great. Isn't that true? Anything we ever do, if it's great, who did it? The Spirit of God through us, okay? In fact, that's what the Bible says. If you look through, through the Bible... Uh, we, we, that's what we are. We're instruments. I mean, we're, we're tools. Okay, you know, I, I hesitate saying that because when you say you're a tool today, that means something different than than I want it to mean. But 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 that's what we are. Listen to Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty one. It says, "Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel." What's a vessel? It's a plate. It's a it's a, a fork, a spoon, a bowl. Right? It's something you use. And and the Bible says that we can be used of God. Romans chapter six. Romans chapter six, um, verse uh, 13, let me find that. It talks about us being an instrument in, in the Lord's hands. Verse 13 says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. And so Mary is favored because she's gonna be an instrument through which God will use. God has favored her. Now, now here's the thing. I, I wanna ask you, is, is, that, is that a woohoo in your life? you know I mean, whenever whenever that guy calls out the people for the price is right, man, they dance and yell and wave and act all goofball You know why? Because they're so happy that they got chosen for this great favor, this great privilege. Well, let me ask you, when God says you, I want I want you, I want to use you for team kids. I want to use you for Sunday school. I want to use you in a Christ-centered relationship. I want to use you to feed the prisoners on Christmas Day. I want to use you to go across the street and witness to your neighbor. I want to use you in your workplace. Do you guys say, woohoo! you know, wow. You know what? A lot of times, let's just be real honest, we don't act that way. We don't act like it's a favor, a blessing, a great thing to be an instrument of the Lord. In fact, a lot of times we respond much like Avery and Haddon do when I say, Avery and Haddon, unload the dishwasher, you know? There's not any celebratory acts there, you know? I mean, it's, it's a pretty depressing sight. And a lot of us, when God says, I want you to serve, we act we act pretty depressed. You know Why? Because it messes up our life. Yes or no? True? It does. It messes up our life. You know, when, 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 you, when you start saying, okay, God, I'll be your instrument. I'll, I'll, I'll be a tool in your hand. God, I'll be a vessel for you to use. You can use me in my family. You can use me in my church. You can use me in my community. You know what? It messes up our life. It messes up our plans. We got, we got plans, don't we? We got plans for our evenings. We got plans for 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 our mornings. We got plans for our day. We got plans for our noon. We got plans, right? And, and whenever God, God picks us to use, it messes up our comfort and our plans. I mean, I want you to think about Mary, okay? Here's this angel appearing to a 14-year-old girl saying, Man, you are blessed. And here's what God's gonna do through you. But you know what that's gonna mean for Mary? Think through it. It's gonna mean that her fiance, who she loves, her boyfriend, is going to think she's a lying, unfaithful, loose woman, and he's going to make plans to divorce her. You know what it means for Mary? It means her parents are going to be devastated and disappointed, and they're going to feel betrayed by her. And and the heartbreaking thing is, I don't know that they ever knew the truth. I don't know if they ever received it. Most people didn't. They were still, the Pharisees and scribes, when Jesus was a 30-year-old man, were still, poking fun at him, saying that he was an illegitimate child, even, even 30 years later. You know what it's going to mean? It's going to mean that Mary, who was, who was completely innocent, would be shamed by her community. She would move. It would mean that Mary, who was completely innocent, would, would, would many people would go to their grave, her, her grandparents probably, her aunts and uncles, thinking that she had done something that she did not do. She was not impure in any way. You know know what it would mean for her as a mother? Some of you moms, you're gonna gonna get these. You know what it would mean for her? It would mean she's gonna give birth and very shortly afterward, she's gonna have to pack one suitcase and they're gonna run for their lives to another country because there's a murderous king trying to kill her baby. And and the murderous king is so wicked that he's gonna kill a whole bunch of other babies trying to get to her baby. You, You know what it would mean? Only a mom can understand this, but it would mean that she's gonna watch. Okay, do you hear me? not just know about it, not just read it in the paper. She's gonna watch as, as, as the little boy that she cradled and nursed and taught to walk and, and, and taught to talk and fed and, and sent to school. She's gonna watch as her boy would be falsely accused and brutally tortured, and she's gonna watch as he is hung up to be executed in the slowest manner possible so as to bring out the most shame and pain. She's gonna watch that whole thing. You know know what else the Bible says about Mary? In Luke chapter two, verse 35, it says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. Is she blessed? Is she favored? The angel says so twice in three verses. He said, man, you're favored. You you are blessed. Wow, you got picked. Okay, so so Why? Why, why is that favored? Here's the reason. And friends, if you don't get this, you'll never get serving. You just won't. You, you'll do a few things. You know, you'll, you'll take a dish up on Christmas Day. You'll, you'll participate in the benevolence ministry. You might go out in the food basket drive. You, you'll, you'll do a few things, and you'll do them to tell yourself I'm a good person. Or you'll do them because you feel guilty. But you'll never have great joy in serving if you don't get this. Okay? Here it is. Why, why is she blessed? Because when you are used as an instrument of the Lord you come to know God, you come to know Jesus in ways that you would not have come to know him, okay? I mean, how true for Mary. Let me tell you, is there any human on the earth that knew Jesus better than Mary, you know? That that had the opportunity to spend with the Son of God more than Mary, that had the opportunity to be a front row witness to the two greatest events in history, his birth and his death. I mean, Mary was there. I mean, who more to to see the first and best of beings, to see him clearly. Folks, whenever you come to know Jesus, here's the truth, coming to know Jesus is what joy and peace and satisfaction are all about because it's what you were created to do. It's what's in you. Okay, and, and that is magnified as you are used by him, as, as, God, as God moves his power through you to other people, as he moves his grace through you to other people, as he moves his, his love through you to other people. You come to know Jesus in ways that you would not know him. And so Mary is favored because God picks her to do this incredible exaltation of Christ in her life. That, that's why she's favored. Now, now here, here's, here's a question, How do we feel about that? How do we feel? Not about Mary, but about us, okay? How do we feel about God wanting to use us, wanting to use our time and our lives and our money? Man, how do you feel like I want to use your money? You know, is that, whoo, I'm favored, you know? yeah. God's gonna use me, he's gonna use my checkbook to advance the kingdom of God, you know? I I mean, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about experiencing his grace and power and your faith be building up and, and your hope being built up? The Bible says you are blessed when God uses you as his instrument. You you know what else he tells Mary? He he tells you your favorite. He says, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine unpacking all the problems that are going through Mary's mind? You know, okay, I'm gonna have a baby and it's not gonna be Joseph's and nobody's gonna believe me and I'm not married yet. And Lord, you know, okay, can you give me some details about how you can work all this out? God doesn't. You you know, when she asks how, you know what he says? Two things, Holy Spirit's gonna do it. And number two, the Lord is with you. Oh, he actually said three things. Holy Spirit, the Lord is with you. And number three was nothing is impossible for God. You know what all three of those are about? God's pointing to himself. He said, Mary, you want answers? Look at me. I'm strong. I can do anything. Nothing's impossible. I'm with you. Yeah, you know, isn't, isn't that the case so many times when God calls us to step out? Does he give us all the details about how it's all going to work? No, you know, he doesn't. You know what he does? He points to himself and he says, but you look at me, you look at me. I, I can handle this, okay? So, so God is choosing Mary. God, God is favoring Mary for, to do this great plan. Now, what is the great plan, okay? What's, what's, the, what's the plan here in Luke 1? What's God gonna do? What's, what's God doing? Here's what he's doing. The great plan is the exaltation of Jesus Christ. What is he gonna use Mary to do? He's gonna use Mary to bring the Messiah Jesus into the world and to exalt him as king of kings. Hey, let me tell you about the great plan for Lincoln Avenue, okay? This is good stuff. I'm gonna tell you about what God, and you might say, well, how do you know this? I know this for sure. Here's the great plan for Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church for you all right now. Here's the great plan for you it is to reveal the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as the King of Kings. The plan has not changed, it's not changed, and the plan never will change. That's the only plan. You know, there's never gonna be a day where we're like, okay, guys, plans change. Today the plan is we're gonna exalt Bonnie, okay? Today the plan is we're gonna show off Bonnie. Bonnie, there's a lot to show off. She's a pretty good gal, but that's not the plan, is it? It never is a plan. The plans never show off Jason. The plans never show off Fred. That's never the plan. The plan is the exaltation of Jesus. Are we agreed? That's the plan. It was the plan for Mary. It's the plan for us. Now here's the question. Are we gonna be part of that plan, Okay, notice how the plan unfolds here. Verse 32, he, he says, here's what's gonna happen. Mary, you're gonna have a son, you're gonna name him Jesus. Verse 32 says, and he will be great. There are times when words just don't cut the mustard. Isn't that true? You know, I, I, I mean, that's why preachers yell is because who wants to stand up here and say, guys, I need to tell you this about Jesus, but he's great. He's great. You know, I mean, it just seems like you shouldn't say it that way, should you? You know, because the word itself does not have enough punch. You know why the word itself does not have enough punch? Because we use great for all kinds of things. I bet I said five times yesterday what a great day it was. I mean, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Had a great bike ride, you know. Man, I was just, it, I, I said that over and over again. It's a great day, you know. We use it for peanut brittle. I was, I was at Choice Physical Therapy the other day and Ryan Clem gave me a piece of peanut, peanut brittle and, and he said, oh, you gotta try this, it's great, okay. So peanut peanut brittle is great, you know, Weather yesterday was great, you know. Wide receivers make great catches, you know. Emma's always uh, playing Scrabble, and she makes great moves, you know. She makes like 90-point words on, uh, on Words with Friends, and I make 10-point words. And, and I always say, honey, that was a great play, again, you know. Uh, I mean, we use that word over and over again. And you know what happens? We forget that Jesus is a different category of great, right? He's in a different category. What do I mean by different category? Well, it's like, it's like if I say, my scooter is fast, like an F-16 fighter jet. Okay, those are in different categories of fast, aren't they? I mean, those, I I think my scooter is fast, okay, compared to a turtle, but not compared to an F-16. They're in different categories. It's like saying, Rigger Hill is a really tall hill, like Mount Everest. No, no, those are in different categories. And so saying Jesus is great, like peanut brittle is great, Man, it just loses its luster because Jesus is in a different category. He's the first and He's the best of beings. Everything that Jesus does is great and it's in a great category, much different than anything I do, right? Jesus is the healer. Well, you know what? I'm kind of a healer, right? I, in ways. I stepped on uh, Haven's big toe two nights ago when I was hoping to get ready for bed. Started, started bleeding toward the nail a little bit. I got a first aid kit. I bandaged it up, okay? I'm a healer, right? Okay? Jesus is a healer. and he calls dead people out of the grave at the cemetery. Okay, that's in a different category of great. On on a good day with smooth water and a good boat and a good driver, I can get up on water skis. Jesus walks on the water anytime he wants. All right, that's a different category of great. I can command that my dog stay in the yard. My kids are, are really impressed with that. You know, they can't do that if they say Snickers stay and the gates open. Snickers is going down to Winnie's man. But if I'm there and I command. Snickers to stay. Snickers, no, I'll kick her, you know? So she doesn't come. She, she, she does what I say, all right? But listen, Jesus commands the weather, okay? Jesus commands lightning and storms and wind and waves, and he commands demons to come out of people. That's a different category of great. And so the Bible says in verse thirty, what's the plan, Mary? Well, Mary, you're gonna be used to have the Messiah, and he's gonna be great, He's going to be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And listen to this. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I love that. I love that, that the things of Jesus will never diminish Okay, everything else will diminish. Here's something we Americans gotta realize. There was a time when the United States of America did not exist, and if, if, if history goes long enough, there'll be a time when we don't exist again, okay? You look at every kingdom that's ever been on the face of the earth, Babylon, Egypt, you know, uh, Germany, uh, Greece, Rome, they all fell. They all plateaued, they all went up, and then they turned away from the Lord, and something happened, and they declined. That'll happen here, too, I bet you anything. Everything declines. You know, the OSU Cowboys will not always be on top. The OU Sooners will not always be on top. Did you know there was a time in history where the Kansas City Chiefs were pretty good? Nobody remembers that that's alive, but there was a time where that happened. But you know what? To everything, there is a rise and a fall. Those of you who are young here today, I got news for you. Someday you'll be old. Those of you who are strong here today, someday you'll be weak. Those of you who are healthy here today, someday you'll be sick because that's the world that we live in. But here's the thing about Jesus. It says, right, here of his kingdom there will be no end he will reign forever and ever it will never diminish here's a cool thing out of first peter When you think about what Jesus is going to give us, our inheritance with him, in verse 4 of 1 Peter 1, it says he's going to give us an inheritance that is imperishable, three words, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. What does that mean? That means that the things of God, they don't ever lose their luster. They don't ever lose their satisfaction. They don't ever lose their glory. You guys are going to get some cool stuff for Christmas, and you're going to be so excited, and you're going to love it, and you're going to can't wait to wear it. In five years, you're going to try to sell it in your yard sale, and nobody in this town will buy it for a quarter and you're gonna have to load it in your car and take it to OARC and dump it in that box. You know why? Because it lost its luster. Everything in this world is exactly like that. Jesus is the only exception. His kingdom will never end. He will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. So what is Gabriel announcing? He is announcing to Mary that he's going to use her, God is going to use her to reveal and exalt Jesus Christ to the nations, and, and nothing will be impossible with God. Now here's the question. Here's the big question on our plate and on Mary's plate at this time is, is she available? Okay, God's, God says, man, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use you to exalt Jesus Christ. Are you available? That's a big question. Why? Because Mary's smart enough to figure out, this is going to mess up her life. She's 14. She had plans. What about the wedding? She'd already picked out her dress. Her grandma, hand, I'm just making it up, I don't know, but surely she had, right? I mean, she probably picked out her dress. She knew what kind of cake she was going to have. She knew she was going to have it. You know, she knew everybody's going to, that's gone. It's gone. It's going to mess up her life. Is she, is she available? Can, is she going to say, Lord, you, you can use me? You can use my hands. You can use my feet. You can use my, my tongue. You can use my reputation. God, if you want to, you can use my womb. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the question. Is she going to give up her plans to be used of God? Well, here's Mary's answer. It's beautiful. Verse 38. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. You, you know what Mary had figured out that some of us really struggle with? Mary had figured out the whole ownership deal. Is it your life or his life? It's a big question. Don't answer with your mouth, but answer with your life. Is it, is it your life or his life? You know what a lot of us want to do? We want to take our life. And we do this real ceremonially, you know. We say, Jesus, here you go. Here you go, Jesus. There you go. Woo! By the way, I'd like a receipt for that from the church. Church going to give me a receipt, aren't they? There you go, Jesus. There, you can have that right there. You get it. It's, it's yours. There you go. Um, That's not the way Mary feels. You know what Mary says? Man, I'm the bond slave of the Lord. What's that mean? You own me. I'm not going to cut off a scrap and say, here you go, God. No. Mary says, I'm yours. Behold, I'm yours. I'm the bonds of You know what else she says? Look at verse 38. I like this. She says, let it be to me according to your word. What, what does that mean? Let it be to me according to your word. You know what that means? That means whatever you say. Whatever you say. Whatever you going to do with my reputation, do it. Whatever you going to do with my life, do it. What do you want to do with my hands? Do it. What do you want to do with my tongue? Do it. What do you want to do with my life? What, whatever. Let it be to me according to your word. God, you say it. You speak it. I'll do it. Basically, Mary says, I'm 100% available to you. Let me ask you a question. Let's stop talking about Mary for a second. Let's talk about Lincoln Avenue. He, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That, that means we say, God, you, you can take it. You can take it all. You want my evenings? You can have them. You want my mornings? You can have them. You want to mess up my life? Mess it up. Because I trust you. I trust that to be used by you will mean great favor and blessing and grace for me. I want it. I'm excited. Pick me, God. Pick me. Pick me. Choose me. Pick me. Use me. Friends, are your hands available for ministry? Is your money available for the kingdom? Are your words available for the gospel? Is your time available for spiritual friendships and accountability? Are you available? I hope so. Let's let's ask God to help us. Jesus, you're great. We want to exalt you, God. We want to be a part of this great plan to exalt your kingship to the world. God, we know it's coming. It's coming with or without us, God, if we all do a stupid thing and say no today, um, you're still going to be king. You're still going to reign forever and ever and ever. But we'll we'll miss out. So God, help us. Help us to say yes, yes. God, use me. Use whatever I got. Use us as your instrument to exalt Christ.